1: Lenin said, on one occasion, capitalism is horror without end. And if you want to see the truth of that statement, just take a look at your television screens every night, every single night, you have a vision of incredible suffering, degradation and death affecting millions of men women and children on a global scale it's like something i don't know how you describe it it's like reminiscent i suppose of the bubonic plague of the black death of the uh, 14th century or some horrible scene out of dante's uh, inferno yes but this is not ancient history And this is not a work out of medieval literature. This is life or rather death facing millions and millions of innocent people through no fault of their own. This affects every country, by the way, from the richest United States of America. I'll deal with that uh, in a moment. But also, of course, don't forget those uh, many countries, the majority of, of, of the human race, who even without this horror, even without this pandemic, were already living on the, on the verge of starvation, struggling poor people, poor women and kids, struggling to make an ends meet, living in the slums of Calcutta and and Lagos and other other countries. Incidentally, you see, it it it, it really is. If, if it wasn't so serious, it would almost be a, a comedy. How on earth can you preach? To these millions of desperately poor human beings, uh, to stand in line to maintain uh, what's it—social distances? I don't know what the hell they call—they've got this new language which, which they invent every two minutes to, 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 to cover any new development. The social distancing, self-isolation, wash your hands, wash your hands. Yeah, in a crowded slum in Calcutta where. <laughs> We have dozens and dozens of, of people live together in insanitary and terrible conditions of poverty. It's a, it's a cruel joke. And to lock these people up furthermore, which uh, Modi has done that ghastly uh, reactionary Modi, Boris Johnson's friend and, uh, and, and uh, President Trump's pal, has, has locked uh, billions of people in effect in their homes. How on earth these people are expected to survive, God only knows. And there's even been pictures on the television, which are horrific pictures, of these poor, desperate, homeless people. They don't have a home to go to. They say to people, in in, even in London and New York, there are many people that do not have a home, and they're told to go home. (laughs) What are you going to say to those millions of people on the streets of India that have no home? I've seen them with my own eyes. It's just astonishing, a terrible state of affairs. They have nowhere to go. These people, particularly the migrant workers from other parts of of the country, who are now being driven out. And when I say driven out, like cattle, beaten ho- horribly, beaten up by the by the brutal, bodies, uh, brutal police force. There was a picture, a horrific picture, the other day of uh, desperate, poor women and children and people being being sprayed with high-pressure hosepipes, disinfectant, and God knows what kind of toxic poisons were were in that ghastly mixture, but they were being mercilessly sprayed. I think it even caused a scandal, those images even caused a scandal in India where people are used to such barbarity. And what has it achieved? These countless uh, hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of people, migrant workers, driven out of the, the, the big cities, where are they supposed to go? They only have one place to go, trudging hundreds of miles, starving in, in terrible conditions of privation, to go back to their native villages. In the poorest parts, where there, there are no health facilities to speak of, where they will spread this dreadful plague, which therefore will, will so these very measures, these monstrous measures adopted by Modi and, and, and the ruling gang in India, will will spread this horrific illness uh, far and wide uh, and the, the, the heaviest weight will fall, of course, of course, on the poorest layers, the most in, vulnerable layers of society. Horror without end, oh yes, and it, it doesn't just apply to the, uh, to the poor countries, you know. I mean, from the very beginning of this nightmare, it is, it is a, a living nightmare. Just look at the reaction of, of our rulers, the ruling class. People that are supposed to be in charge of society, people that are supposed to have some idea in their head about a deal, how to deal with situations of this sort. You know, the Boris Johnson's, the, the Donald Trump's. Oh, yes, Donald, Donald J. Trump. Yes, saw, it was only a mild form of flu, I think he said, you know, something of no consequence. Carry on working above all that, isn't it? Above all that carry on working, never mind about your health, never mind about your family's health, never mind if you end up in the boat, you carry on working to keep our system going, to earn big profits for the, the American bankers and capitalists, and including Do- Donald Trump. That's the ethic of, of these systems. You better believe it. You better believe it. Sometimes, you know, I hear some stupid people saying, oh no, you Marxists, you've got a very jaundiced uh, view of, of human beings, you know. After all, even the capitalists are humans, aren't they? Well, I suppose they are. They've got two legs, two eyes, two arms. They breathe, the air goes in and out, they, and so on. Some of them even got uh, elements of intelligence, I believe. Yes, 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 but, yes, but they're above and above and beyond their, their status, their biological st- status as belonging to the same species as the rest of humanity. They're above all capitalists, vampires, whose soul aim in life and sole purpose in life. That's the whole purpose of their existence is to suck the living blood out of uh, millions of, people. oh yes, I'm not exaggerating. And they have a corresponding psychology and a corresponding morality. It's quite amusing when they try to try to le- lecture Marxists on the subject of morality, you know. Trotsky wrote a very uh, good pamphlet on that called Their Morals and Ours, which I recommend you to read with every possible enthusiasm. Yes just look at their morality you know you've got this creature who really is running the show in, in number 10 Downing Street in, in uh, D- Dominic Cummings or Rasputin as he's known to his close friends I believe yeah this gangster who really is inside this unelected uh, bandit this crook this unelected creature Who has the ear of of Boris Johnson, who hasn't got uh, two ounces of brains uh, between his ears, and therefore listens to this kind of nonsense? From the very beginning, he he put forward—he's not the only one—but he put forward this crazy, this lunatic idea of—I think it's called uh, herd herd immunity, isn't it? Something like that. Herd immunity, (laughs) like treating humans. Yeah, that's precisely treating humans like cattle, like human like herds. You know, it's a bit It's a bit ironical that Mr. Cunning's just got the coronavirus himself. All I can think of was that he belonged to the wrong herd or something, I don't know. But anyway, this was the idea, the so-called theory. And by the way, it's been established, I note the other day, I saw it somewhere, that uh, Cunning's himself is a believer in eugenic eugenics. You know what that is, that um, ghastly uh, racist theory, as a matter of fact. Which is the basis of of the Nazi ideology? Yes, oh yes, social Darwinism and all this. Yes, he's a, he's a firm believer in eugenics. This 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 character, who is the kind of person that's that's uh, reflecting the ideology of the ruling class. Now, this is not an accident, by the way. There's nothing new about this. Don't get me wrong, Mr. Cummings is not an isolated specimen in this respect. Far from it. It goes back a long way. Oh yes, uh, if like like myself you are admirers of English literature in general, and Charles Dickens' uh, novel, marvelous novels in particular. If you want to know about uh, Victorian England, you read read, uh, the conditions of the English class by by Engels, but read, read, above all, read the the, the novels of Charles Dickens, marvelous, the real real description of the horrible reality faced by, by, by the people. And there's a very, perhaps his most famous work, you must all know this, everybody knows this, famous work called A Christmas Carol. You know, they always put it on TV every Christmas time. And uh, it's, uh, I won't go into the story, you probably know it. But uh, the, the, the central character in this is is a, a mean-spirited, vicious, misanthropic uh, capitalist by the name of Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge. Christmas time comes around, and as usual, he's forcing his workers to work, even on Christmas Day, without mercy and so on. Some uh, philanthropic gentleman, bourgeois, come round to visit him, collecting money for the poor people, which he refuses naturally to give, because why should he give his his hard earned cash to a bunch of uh, unemployed uh, loafers probably, as he would uh, put it. And these uh, well-meaning bourgeois middle-class gentlemen appeal to his better nature, (laughs) which of course he does not possess. But anyway, they appeared to Mr. Scrooge, don't you understand, if you don't feed these people, they're going to die of starvation. What was the reply of Ebenezer Scrooge? i never never forget this in in a Christmas card. He said, well, all right, let them die. Let them die and thus uh, reduce the the surplus population. Reduce the surplus population. That's a scientific theory, by the way, by a chap by the name of Malthus, this horrible, reactionary, vicious, Gangston, the the Parson Malthus Marx described it as, whose ideas are still in circulation to this day and accurately reflect the real morality and mentality of the bourgeoisie. You don't believe me? Well, I can easily prove it if you just bear with me for one second, if I can find what I am looking for, which I probably can't. That's the wrong thing, just a minute. You have to be patient. I'm always in a, my desk is always in a mess. Anyway, there was one, here we are, here we are. Uh, A gentleman, a journalist from The Telegraph, that's Boris Boris Johnson's old paper, I believe. A chap by the name of, excuse me, I said it's not very good, Jeremy Warner, a journalist from The Telegraph, who tweeted uh, a few weeks ago, and he said the following. Uh, Get a load of this, listen carefully to what he writes. Not to put too fine a point on it, from an entirely disinterested, of course, probably be disinterested, isn't it? An entirely disinterested um, um, economic perspective, the COVID-19, let me see what I'm reading here, COVID-19 might even prove mildly beneficial in the long-term, In the, is it the long-term? Mildly beneficial in the long-term, yes, but how? By disproportionately culling Culling, that's the word they use for rodents and uh, and uh, badgers with tuberculosis and stuff like that. By disproportionately culling elderly dependents. Now there you have it. By a, journal, a respectable bourgeois journalist, and he's not the only one similar remarks, I believe I am told, have been made even by doctors. I don't know what happened to the hip, hypocritical, hip, hypocritical, hypocritical oath in those cases from Germany and Holland saying the same thing. Oh, it's a good thing for old people to die. They must die because uh, that will relieve the the the, 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 the burden uh, paying in regularly in order to, to, to furnish uh, money for these pensions. That little detail is forgotten, of course. Oh, no, these are, are, are portrayed as an unnecessary burden on society and therefore to have a little cull, you know, like they do killing seals in Canada or in, in Alaska, I can't remember knock them on the head. Perhaps it'll come to that in the end, go around knocking old people on the head, why not? It's a lot quicker, a lot more efficacious. But here, here, listen, this is not a joke. What I'm describing to you comrades and friends is the real cynical, cold-hearted, vicious morality of capitalism and the ruling class, the people that run society. The other day, uh, Andrew Cuomo, I think his name is, the the, the mayor of of New York, he actually said, it's quoted in this week's um, Economist, if I've got it handy. Oh, Oh, by the way, what an interesting front page. You see that? See what it says? A grim calculus. A grim calculus. What's the grim calculus? Let's read the first Sentence, if I can, I'll have to have a bit of assistance here. Because eyesight is not too clear. It says the following, this is how it starts. Imagine having two uh, two critically ill patients and only one ventilator. That is the choice faced by many of those sorts of, that is the choice. That's not a literally a, a turn of phrase or something like that, it's a fact. That is the reality. We are, the, the national health in Britain is desperately short of ventilators, as is every other uh, health service in, in the world. Yeah, desperately short. So already we, we'll have a position. We are already having a position, which is described here, not whether there's, whether, where there's two desperately ill patients, but probably 102 desperately ill patients, and only one ventilator, or better still, no ventilators. And that's the fact that's a fact and governments all over the world are criminally uh, responsible they criminally they will be criminally responsible for the, for the death you know, w- w- the deaths which will, will occur Cuomo said by the way that that, that, that was the phrase did I quote that already Yes he said that uh, we are not going to put we're not going to put a, a dollar figure on a human life that's what he said well a very laudable sentiment, but unfortunately, Mr. Comer doesn't tally with the facts, far from it. You think that one human life is the same as another human life under the system? Don't make me laugh. Of course not. Of course it isn't. And those at the end of the queue, the the poorest and most vulnerable sections, the old people and so on, they they will die. The decisions will be made, yes, hard decisions must be taken, they say they constantly repeat this hard decision now why should we make hard decisions why why do we say we it's not not us of course it's the unfortunate doctors and nurses doctors in particular who are already struggling under appalling difficulties because of the extreme lack of resources because of the way that the health service has been run down deliberately and robbed and cheated and, and 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 robbed of its resources for for, for the last decade, at least a a, a last decade. No, these poor doctors are people that don't don't even have protective clothing. I can't understand this. I mean, I might be a little bit dim in my old age. I don't know, but I, I don't get it. Do you? I don't get this. It's been at least one month, more than a month since this pandemic emerged. They were well aware of this. And even before, by the way, there've been other epidemics in the past, in the recent past. Why is there a shortage of ventilators everywhere? Except maybe China, South Korea, apparently it's also doing quite well. A couple of other countries, but in America, the richest country on earth, in Britain, which is also not a poor country, why is there a shortage of ventilators? not just ventilators? Good God! Even elementary things like a pair of gloves, a pair of surgical gloves, or a mask. For goodness' sake, how much does it, money does it take to produce a face mask? For God's sake! And how how much time does it does one expend producing something like that? It's a joke. And yet, one month later, there's a general cry going up from the doctors and nurses all over the world. In advanced countries, let's not talk about Africa and Asia. That's just too horrible to think about. There the poor devils have nothing. But in, in, in advanced countries like Britain and France and Spain and Italy and above all the United States, the cry is going up, we don't have protected. I'm talking about the, the, the frontline staff now, the doctors and nurses, we don't have elementary protection. The World Health Organization issues clear guidance. You're not supposed to go near a COVID 19 uh, sufferer unless you're protected with, 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 a, with a, a surgical gown which covers your whole body. And yet, you see the pictures. If they're lucky, they're going with aprons where their bare arms, where germs can, be, uh, can accumulate, of course. They've got a bit of a face mask if they're lucky. Their eyes yes, their eyes are exposed. This uh, virus is very aggressive and it can penetrate any part of, the, of our anatomy and therefore this is criminal now they're cunningly trying to take advantage of this uh, crisis they always do don't they they always do the, the brits are particularly expert at that you know oh yeah it's uh, it's like a war uh, trump now is taking up the, the same trump that not long ago <laughs> a few weeks ago was saying oh no no it's just like a mild flu, it's okay, it's no problem, carry on going to work, please. And it'll all be over by Easter, he said, yes, like he didn't say what year, Easter of what year, now he's changed his tune, he's got to, but there you are. Yeah, but I mean, these, uh, these guys, they, they, they now say, oh, no, no, it's a national emergency. It's like a war, you heard that one? Yes, it's like a war. We, we're fighting an invisible enemy. There is nothing worse than an invisible enemy, is there? mean, that's, that's really some enemy to fight against. Oh yes, and therefore, and therefore, what, my friends? Oh well, you, you know what? You know what the next slide is. Therefore, we must all pull together. Oh yes, oh yes, my friends. We must all. Pull, we're all in the same. We're all in the same boat. Uh, and therefore we must support each other there must be national unity and so on and so forth in britain they're even floating the idea of a national of a national government god forbid anyway this of course is uh, a ploy it's a disgraceful thing because to look no further Where in God's name is this protective clothing after one month for Christ's sake? When they've said that they're lying through their teeth, they lie, I I don't know. I mean, if if there was a Nobel Prize for telling lies, I think Boris Johnson and and those creeps would be first in the queue. They just lie, they brazenly lie through their teeth every night, it makes me sick to look at the television. They got constant so-called news conferences, yeah. And what do they say? Oh no, well, there's no shortage of protective clothing. We've got stacks of it, we've got millions of masks, and millions of this and millions of the other. And they show pictures of, of uh, warehouses, I don't know where, where the warehouses are, perhaps they're in uh, Shanghai or someplace, I don't know. Certainly not in this country. Stacks, for, and, and we are we are delivering this stuff. Uh, and when, when they ask asked, when will the stuff arrive, which journalists do ask, they say, oh, ASAP as soon as possible, which is far is, is enough to say, bugger off, don't ask stupid questions. Because, and, and this, the, the stuff is not arriving in anything like the quantities which are required urgently to save lives. That's the bottom line. This is a question, my friends, not even of economic exploitation or this, that, or the other. It's a question of life and death, and many people have died. Spain is over 10,000 No, I think it's the latest figure I saw. Italy is way up there, more than 15, I can't remember. In America, Mr. Trump, the same guy that was saying, oh, it's only like the flu, it's all right, it'll be over once the sun comes out, he says. Because <laughs> this virus can't put up with the sun, you see, according to him. The same Trump is now saying, well, I mean, there may be, uh, with luck, with luck, if we're lucky, we'll have 100,000 deaths. Oh yeah, 100,000 is not too bad a figure, he says. He said that on television. Oh yes, and um, of course it may be more than that. It may be a quarter of a million. Nobody knows, of course, least of all uh, Donald Trump. So this is the horrendous, fi- about New York now, by the way. America now has got more deaths than China from this disease, 55% more, the last figure that I saw, and it's rising. New York is one of, the, one of the worst epicenters in the world. The richest city on earth, and it's in this nightmare situation. Now, if this is not a signal failure of government and the system that it's based upon, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. And you know, there's no question of all being in it together. That is a lie. We're not all in it together. How does it come about that Donald Trump can get tested? And other rich people in the States can get tested in ordinary people. Doctors can't get tested in the States. How is that possible? How is it possible for Bonnie Prince Charlie to get? Uh, he, he's got it as well, by the way. I don't know how he managed that. Anyway, you'll be really relieved to hear that he's on on the bench. That's OK. We can, all, we can all relax. Yeah, he was tested quick enough. Boris Johnson was tested quick enough. Matt Hancock, the... the uh, the health minister was also got it. he was tested quick enough yeah but, uh, but there's, there's time enough to fix them the rich the powerful the influential yeah they're okay not many of them is going to die you can bet your bottom dollar you'll find many of them in the morgue which they're opening up a huge so-called hospital it's more likely to be a morgue in, in the, near where i live inside in the south in the in the millennium center no this is serious you know what it isn't a question of all together it never is it isn't in a normal war it's always the same line at the beginning of a war patriotism flag waving all together save the nation and all the rest of the nonsense yes and they're trying the same trick now it won't wash you know it will not wash temporarily it will temporarily it might have an effect because people are stunned and people are desperate to see any kind of action that is uh, that is being undertaken or promised. Plenty of promises here, not much action, but lots of promises, all lies by the way. But in any case, the bottom line is this, my friends. The bottom line is that this is a class question. Oh yes, this glaringly exposes the abysm, the chasm, the the unbridgeable chasm that has opened up in society everywhere between the super rich and the rest of us, the poor the vulnerable, the underprivileged, the unemployed, the old people, and so on. It's an unbridgeable gap. And all this crisis has done, this COVID-19 business, is to act as a kind of tipping point. It it exposes, it emphasizes uh, things that were already known. Now, from a Marxist point of view, I have to say that, of course, uh, we don't welcome this, of course. Who who could welcome anything like this? But I have to say this to you. It is stated, it is alleged frequently, that the economic crisis, which is another serious factor uh, uh, in the situation, is caused by COVID-19. Well, not so. That's absolutely and completely untrue. Not so. Not so. You know, we wrote a document in the INT called World Perspectives, written last September, long before this was ever heard of in which we pointed out with facts and fingers that the so-called boom, the so-called economic recovery was in any case running out of steam. It was very fragile. And it could, we said, it could easily turn into a deep recession. We said it would be deeper than 2008, and it will be. And we said that it could be caused by any accident. An accident in philosophical terms is an event which might or might not have happened. For example, uh, in a stock exchange crisis or a war in the Middle East, or um, even an unfortunate tweet, a particularly idiotic tweet by the President of the United States. Any of these things could have been the detonator to spark off a deep recession. Well, it was none of those things. It was a COVID 19 that served this purpose. But it has served this purpose, yes. And what an effect! It's a, it's a, it's a terrific collapse. It's an astronomical collapse. You know? I mean, I just saw the recent figures for the United States. Six point six million pe- workers in the United States are now claiming unemployment benefit. Add that to three point three. I think it was three point three million last week. Brings us up to ten million in the space of a week, a few days. These are unpre- pre- unprecedented figures, but they've never been seen before. And the unplo- unemployment everywhere is going to uh, is going to skyrocket. What's the reaction of the, of the bourgeois? What's, what solution have they got to this? Well, we already pointed out in advance. You see, if you, if you ask me, are there no instruments which the bourgeois can use to avoid a, a slump or a recession or, or at least to um, palliate its, uh, its uh, consequences? I answer yes, of course, there, there are such things. They're well known. The main two instruments is to, to lower the rate of interest Uh, The second one is to increase state expenditure. Keynesianism, you see. Now, the first option is really out of the question. uh, Because the interest rates, as you probably know, are are close to zero if they're not zero already. And therefore, you can't use that. That instrument has been used up already over the last 10 years to to try to kickstart the economy, if you like. But you see, the second uh, business of increasing state expenditure, that's also highly problematical. although they're doing it. Oh, yes, they're doing it. <laughs> it's quite astonishing what they're doing. Yes, but you see, uh, it, does, it doesn't, from, from a capitalist point, from the standpoint of, of responsible capitalist economics, it doesn't make sense. This is voodoo economics, my friends. You see, there were already huge debts left over from the previous, uh, Crisis 2008, when they bailed out the banks, as you remember, they had very very tender feelings for the banks and capitalists. They bailed them out, and the public then had to, was faced with the bill. That's that explains ten years of austerity. Now work it out. Just look at the states. Work it out. Figures are clear enough. It only took them a couple of weeks. Last time in 2008, I think it took them several months to work out an action plan. This time it took them a couple of weeks because they were panicking. And they are panicking. Oh yes. And uh, they've shoveled into the economy over $2 trillion. <laughs> These are high, wa- high watering figures, my friends. Last time, 2008, I think it was 1 trillion. That was, that was quite enough. Huge amounts. And Britain and France and Spain and Italy, they're all, all the governments are doing the same thing. They're merely shoveling in state money to what? To what? Not to help the working class, that's a lie. That's, a, that's how they've tried to present it. No, 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 no. There's a huge, massive, eye-watering subsidy to big business, to maintain the profits of a big business, to pay the wage, bi- <laughs> wage bills of the capitalists. And by the way, the capitalists, in many instances, have, have got plenty of, plenty of loot with which to, 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 to sort, sort this out themselves. But no, once again, the state, The state is intervening to bail out the capitalist system yet again. Now, this is strange, isn't it? I ask you to to meditate just for one moment on on the logic of this. For years and decades, for at least 30 years, we were fed constantly on a constant stream of propaganda to the following effect. With the collapse of the Soviet Union, it shows that uh, state ownership does not work. That socialism does not work. That central planning does not work. Long live the market and free enterprise. Am I right? Or am I right? I think I'm right. Okay. And the state? No, no. They said the, all these economic professors with lots and uh, lots of uh, uh, letters after their name. They said the only role of the state is to stay out of the economy. Check it. Check it. Read the read the textbooks. That's what they said. The state has got no, it must play no role in the economy. Okay. So, what about the situation now, like in 2008? The capitalist economy is at the point of collapse. It's on its knees. And who saves it? The state. This same state that was not supposed to play any role whatsoever. That's socialism, isn't it? Not really, but nevertheless. Okay. And central planning and central direction. Well, they've got all of those things now. So where does this this leave the free market economy? You tell me. It leaves it nowhere. The free market economy is bankrupt, finished, corrupt, inefficient, totally incapable of of handling anything, particularly a crisis of this character. And therefore, yes, the whole responsibility for solving this mess falls to the state. The state is giving trillions, huge amounts of money. Now, this is Keynesianism, and even many reformist politicians in the Labour Party, even some lefts who ought to know better, but there you are, they don't. Um, They argue that um, uh, Keynesianism is the answer. You know, we can have capitalism, but it must be nice capitalism, you know. (laughs) A sort of of state capitalism, I suppose. Capitalism with a friendly face, yeah. you be lucky to get such a thing as that. It's not known in, in zoology. It's like trying to teach a man, man-eating tiger to eat grass instead of, uh, instead of meat, but there you are. You try it, you won't succeed. You'll end up inside the tiger's belly, that's all. Now, think. You see, there's a certain logic to all this. If you say A, you've got to say A, B, C, and D, okay? Let's say the crisis is over eventually, of course, this COVID-19 business, I don't doubt. Eventually, if they find a vaccine, it'll be over, what, in 18 months? I don't know. would like to hazard a guess. It will be over eventually. And we'll return to normal, will we? I don't think so. I don't think so. You think that, you've got another thing coming. Look, all the governments in the world are going to be burdened with colossal and unprecedented and, 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 and debts loaded down loaded down with this t- terrific burden. Question, my friends, question to you. For a quiz pub, let's try it out. Very simple question. Who pays? Who pays Who pays for all this colossal amounts of money that have been borrowed, by the way? They've been borrowed, but debts are gonna be paid in. You, know? you borrow money, you gotta pay it back. That's the disadvantage of it, okay? Now I'll give you three guesses. I'll tell you who's not going to pay, the capitalists are not going to pay, the bankers are not going to pay, the rich are not going to pay, Prince Charles is not going to pay, Boris Johnson's not going to pay, Donald Trump is certainly not going to pay. No, it will be the millions of ordinary people, workers, old age pensioners, unemployed, men, women, students, everybody, you pay for this, and by God, it will be a a painful experience. You think you had austerity before in the last 10 years, you ain't seen nothing yet. Yes, but I I just add this as a rider. You see, if anyone imagines in their right mind that the British and the American and the French and the Japanese workers are gonna accept terrible cuts and, and attacks on their living standards with their arms folded, I think they got another thing coming. Oh no, what you have here, my friends, what I'm describing to you is a finished recipe for an explosion of the class struggle everywhere. I make that prediction here and now. Oh yes, I don't know how long it will take to get out of the present situation. Not very long, I think, because beneath the surface of apparent uh, acceptance, reluctant acquiescence, I would say, there is a seething discontent, anger, frustration, which is seeking a way out, and by God, it will, fi- it will find a way out. You see it already in Italy. There's been the outbreaks of strikes and wildcat strikes and so on, of workers who are fed up being forced to go to factories where they face contracting diseases and passing it back to their families and so on. Th- that's going to happen elsewhere. You see, now, last night, for instance, eight o'clock last night, there was a, a, a kind of demonstration called by somebody, I don't know who. But of a, people coming out, uh, we're supposed to be uh, self isolating and so on, coming out onto the streets and banging pots and pans and clapping in support of who? Not in support of Boris, Gov- Boris Johnson and his government. No, there's no question of that. That wasn't what, what the people were reporting. The people, good, healthy, working class people with, with good uh, intentions and so on humane people who have every sympathy with their brothers and sisters working in the the hospitals. There was applause for them. It was class solidarity. That's what it was. By the way, I I spoke this morning to Paul Murphy in in Dublin and he, he was saying that in Dublin, it was noticeable that the applause was far greater in working class areas and far less in middle class areas. That doesn't surprise me at all. It is a class question, my friends, already at this stage. People already are very sus- deeply suspicious of the activities of their governments, what they're doing what they're not doing. So, and therefore, all this uh, contained anger, it is contained, but it won't be contained for long, is going to co- burst to the forefront with an unprecedented eruption of the cluster. You better believe it. I don't agree with those people. There's too many of them, unfortunately, in the so called left. Good God. God preserve us from the left, I say. Good heavens, most of them are pretty useless people who've learnt nothing, by the way, and still learn nothing. You know, these people, these guys that go around weeping into their beer, or rather I should say weeping into their herbal tea, they probably don't drink beer, weeping into their herbal tea and complaining, oh, it's a terrible situation, No, oh, look at this, it's reaction, Hitler's going to come to power, all this bullshit. You hear of these useless, uh, dead fish, I call them. No, 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 no. The real future is with the youth who are already being aroused to life even before this over the the climate issue. Another example where capitalism is destroying our planet. That's the future. A new generation is being awakened to life. And many people, I think, you see, and I'll finish on this note. There are moments in history, which are moments of profound change, where the whole situation is like a tipping point where quantity becomes transformed into quality to use a dialectical expression. Yeah, and um, in these moments like this, the whole process becomes accelerated. Previously, it was a bit slow. Now it's become suddenly accelerated. Oh yeah, I don't doubt it for a moment. And uh, in in situations like this, you can have lightning change, the moods, the consciousness, are fed up with these stupid people, so-called lefts, ex-lefts they are, oh no, the consciousness of the masses is very low, the consciousness, oh come on, don't give me the belly, I'm too old for that. No, 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 no. Consciousness can change with lightning speed in a situation like this. And the whole question is this, when the masses begin to move, when the workers and the youth begin to move, and they will, as night follows day, the only question that, that should concern us is this, when they get on the move, Will they find the necessary organization, the necessary uh, leadership, which is a fundamental uh, need in order to carry the movement to a successful uh, victory? You know, there's no two ways about it. A, an army needs uh, good generals, needs good good officers, good, good leaders. And that's, that's our purpose. That's the purpose of the Marxists, to learn from uh, things, you know. The philosopher Spinoza, well, there was a marvelous philosopher, by the way. He once said the following: "Our task is neither weep nor to laugh, but to understand." Comrades, that is our task: neither weep nor laugh, but understand. And once you've understood what is taking place in society, the real process is taking place under the surface, and seeing the world that they're developing. Well, you have to draw the necessary conclusions. And it's a race against time, really. You know, I would end on that note. We have some time, uh, this, this crisis is gonna last for quite some time with ups and downs, it's true. But it will last for some time because there's no way out on the basis of capitalism. That's the bottom line. Yeah, but we have some time, but we don't have all the time in the world. And therefore I appeal to you, I'm appealing to you, brothers and sisters, comrades and friends of the IMT, and the periphery and the people that are looking towards our organisation, uh, please, please help us, help the Marxists to build the necessary in, in instrument, which is needed, the necessary catalyst, if you like, which is need, needed to bring this this nascent process to, to fruition. And it depends on you, really. I realise many people will look at this broadcast. They see they'll be sitting in your homes, perhaps. Maybe a bit fed up of being in social isolation. Take advantage of the isolation to do some decent reading. You know, read the works of Marx, Engels, Lenin, Trotsky. Read the wonderful material we publish on our website, marxist.com. And hopefully you'll make up your mind not to be just a passive observer of history, passive observer of this, but an active participant. In history, an active agent of history, an active participant in the events, as a, an active and militant revolutionary member of the international Marxist tendency.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Marxist Voice. You can subscribe to our podcast through SoundCloud, iTunes, or any major podcast provider or visit our website at www.socialist.net And if you're able to, please donate or subscribe online and help support us in the struggle for socialism.